appreciate Effie and Jana for, uh, for their great sermons that they, that they gave the past two weeks. Uh, but I am excited because it's Advent, and uh, Advent always offers this opportunity to kind of preach on some different things. Although, uh, although this Advent we're kind of going back, I hadn't preached on kind of the main uh, Advent themes for uh, since like 2014. So I thought, let's just, let's just go back to the standards. So uh, we're going to be preaching on, on hope, peace, joy, and love throughout the next four weeks. Uh, and then on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about love again. So that's, that's kind of where we're heading. Uh, so Advent. Advent is four weeks uh, of preparation, of waiting, of longing for Christmas. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite seasons. And uh, to be honest, I can't believe that more churches don't actually celebrate Advent. Uh, uh, in, in fact, uh, uh, we had a, a friend that was here that's preaching at another American Baptist church this morning. And uh, I, she's a missionary, and, and the pastor gave her the pulpit on the first week of Advent. And I kind of thought, I said to Mandy, I was like, I can't believe that a pastor would give up the pulpit uh, to a kind of a guest speaker uh, during Advent. And she said, well, not all churches uh, celebrate Advent. So uh, I had to be reminded of that. But, but I'm glad that we do. Uh, it's, it's this beautiful season. Uh, it's this be- beautiful time. It's actually the beginning of the church calendar uh, the church calendar doesn't start with January, it starts with Advent. So this is the first day of the new year. So ha- happy new year. Uh, but I think it's appropriate that we begin the new year waiting. Uh, I think it's an appropriate posture. Uh, is As we start the new year, we wait. It, it's the perfect posture of faith. Seems like that's all we do as people of faith is we wait. We trust, we wait, we hope. Uh, we're looking for Jesus. We're, we're longing for God to show up again. Things aren't quite right, and we're desperate for redemption. Uh, and, and no longer, no, no matter how long we've been doing this faith thing, whether we're brand new at it or, or we've been doing this faith thing for years and years and years, we are all still longing for salvation of some sort. We, we want God to show up again anew. We want God to continue to rescue us. Uh, and all those emotions, longing, waiting, desperation, are so important. They're so pivotal to the faith journey. So, uh, this is such a special season, uh, one that we don't want to rush through on the way to Christmas. We need to wait. We need to learn how to wait because it is pivotal for our, our spirituality, for our, our Christian faith. Uh, it, it's, this is a season that deserves its own time and attention, uh, and our culture doesn't really want to, to give it, it its time. We're not a waiting kind of people. We, we want things instantaneously. We want fast food and we want, we want free two-day shipping. We want things instantly. We want a drone to bring that package to our doorstep. We want things now. Uh, and so everything in our culture says, uh, go get yours as soon as you possibly can. Uh, and then yet we have this season where it says, nope. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to hold off. We're going to delay gratification a little bit uh, as we longingly wait for God to show up uh, again. So we're going to work hard as a church this Advent season to really savor this moment, to wait, to bask in the confusion, the darkness, the pain, the longing for more, the desperation for restoration. And then when Christmas Day arrives, uh, I think that we'll appreciate our coming king all the more. Sound good? All right. So today, all over the world, uh, pastors are preaching about hope. 
So I'm going to do the same this morning. Uh, Hope is an idea uh, that is laced throughout Scripture. Over and over and over again, the idea, the theme of hope shows up. Uh, And hope is really a word that that shows up throughout Scripture uh, as well. Old Testament and, and New. In Hebrew, there's a couple words that get used for the word hope. Uh, two words, uh, yakal and kava. Yakal and kava. And they both mean to wait. Uh, both of these words that we use for hope mean to wait. Uh, one is a really simplistic word, and one is a little more complicated. Yakal is a pretty simple word. It simply means to wait for something, the way that we would typically think of waiting. I, I'm just... I'm expecting something to happen, uh, and so I'm just being patient. I'm patiently waiting for that to happen. It's the word that shows up in Genesis as Noah is waiting for the floodwaters to recede. He's hoping for that. He knows it's going to happen eventually. He's hoping for it to happen. He knows it's going to happen, so he's just waiting. He just has to wait. And that's, so that's one idea. That's a real simplistic way of thinking about hope uh, in, in the Old Testament, is we're just simply waiting for something that we know is going to happen anyway. The second word, this word kavah, is more complicated. I love in Hebrew, there's often kind of these word uh, pictures, these mental pictures that go along with words that give it a, a much more rich meaning. And kavah is one of those things. It does mean to wait, uh, but, but it comes from kind of a deeper rootedness than that. Uh, the word kavah comes from the root word kav. Kava comes from the root word kav, and the word kav means cord. Like, think about a rope. Kav means like a rope or a cord. And so the idea behind this word kava, hope, waiting, hope, hopefulness, uh, the idea behind this word kava is that when you pull a kav tight, when you pull a cord, a rope tight, uh, you create a, a state of tension until it's released, until that rope snaps or until you let go and you release that tension. And, and the tension is kava. When you pull a kav tight, it creates tension, and that's kava. Kava is the tension that gets built up as a cord gets pulled taut. Uh, it's this feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. Who of us haven't felt that feeling, right? We're, we're kind of on the edge of our seat. We want something so badly, and it feels we tighten up. We feel that anticipation, that longing, uh, and there's a tension, there's a tightness there, and that is kaval. Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and then kavahs for good grapes. He's way, there's a tension, he's longing, uh, there's a hopefulness, there's kind of this desperation, I want it to grow, I want it to bear fruit so badly that I'm kind of sitting uh, in, this, in this unknowing. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm sitting in the tension. Micah talks about farmers who both kava and yaka for morning dew to give moisture to the land. I mean, we've all heard stories of farmers who, who kava for moisture, right? Who, they're, they're sitting in that tension of drought. They're sitting in that longing, like, God, I need you to show up uh, through rain. I need you to show up. 
that is the idea of kaval. We're on the edge of our seat. We don't know what's going to happen, and we're sitting in that tension. They long for help, for growth, for change, for fruit, and they wait in the tension, wondering what will come, hoping for blessing. And so that's the idea of hope that I think that the original nativity characters would have been feeling. They would have felt that kava kind of hope, that longing, that desperation, longingly, desperately living in the tension, ready for change, for relief, for the Messiah. They needed, they needed the Messiah, and they're sitting in that tension, pulled tight, longing, desperate for more. And that is what we are doing in Advent. We are kavaing. We are, we are waiting. We're sitting in the tension, feeling like we're about to snap, searching for help, longing for the release of the pressure, desperate for change. God, we need something to happen. We need you to show up. I need you to be present. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. We sense it all around us. There's not enough hope and peace and joy and love And so we desperately wait. We longingly wait. We anticipate that, God, we we want you to show up. And we sit in that tension. So with that in mind, hope is the perfect theme for the first week of Advent. Because both Advent and hope deal with anticipation and waiting. Advent is this season of anticipation, of expectant waiting. And hope perfectly captures those emotions. Things aren't right. Something must change, but that change isn't coming soon enough. God, I I need you to work quicker. I I feel that tension. I feel pulled tight. Uh, I feel that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Please, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm longing for that. I need you to come. And so we're just waiting there. The struggle has set in. Endurance is waning. Perseverance nearly disappears. We all sense that despair that can settle in so gradually and unnoticed. Maybe it's pain from a loss. Maybe it's a relationship that's gone bad. Maybe it's the finances are in disarray. Uh, Maybe there's fear of the future. Maybe there's unknown about what's coming. Uh, All sorts of things can creep in, can steal life, and can bring despair. But hope is the counteraction to despair. Hope Hope is the thing that sucks us out of despair and brings us back uh, to, to a stronger reality. Hope is the strong declaration in the midst of fear and unknowing that things will be okay. It, it will, we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. Hope is the refusal to accept defeat and despair, the longing for resolution to finally arrive. God, I know know you can act. I know know that you're going to show up. I know that you can save. I know that you can redeem, whether it's in this world or the next. So I trust that. I'm hoping in you. And that's where we find ourselves in human and in Jewish history when Mary gets visited by a messenger in the the Christmas story. It is that they're they're longing... uh, for, for God to finally arrive, for resolution to finally alive, uh, arrive. This, is, this has been a tough time for them. We, we know it uh, as kind of the intertestamental period, right? There's the Old Testament and the New Testament, but there's about 400 years in between those two books where we don't know what happened. 
We know a little bit historically, but theologically, we don't really know what's kind of happening. Biblically, we don't know what's happening. It's, it's this 400 years where God kind of seems absent. Rome has risen to power uh, and is corrupt uh, in their power. There have been uprisings that have tried to overthrow the Roman power, but those have all been thwarted. Uh, everyone is desperate for a Messiah, and all these fake Messiahs are rising up out of that desperation everyone is searching for hope. Uh, And the beauty of the Christmas story is that that hope actually comes. Uh, What people are looking for actually shows up. Hope shows up over and over and over again throughout the Christmas story. Uh, I mean, we think think about the characters and the nativity, the Christmas characters. We see desperate hopefulness in every single one of them. Think about Elizabeth and Zachariah. They are longing for a baby. Uh, their life feels uh, like it just doesn't make sense, and they think they're too late, that uh, it's not going to be able to happen. Uh, and, and they're so desperate uh, that, that they've almost gotten a little cynical to the point where when the angel shows up to Zechariah, he actually laughs, right? He doesn't believe, and he's silenced for the next nine months. Uh, but they're waiting, they're longing, they're, their life feels unfulfilled. They're sitting in that, temp- that tension. They're cavawing for something better. They, they want it. They long for something better. They're hopeful. Or we see it in Joseph. Uh, he, his life is kind of falling apart. His, his fiance has just told him some strange news that, that he didn't want to hear about uh, an, an unwed pregnancy. Uh, and, and yet here he's trying to hope his best. He, he's desperately hoping that the angel is right. And, and he's, he's so hopeful that he's willing to sacrifice uh, himself, his reputation, in order to protect Mary. He's, he's desperate. He's hopeful. He, he's cavawing. Uh, we see it in the shepherds. They, they, they're so desperate for more that they're willing to leave their flocks in order to look for a baby, to, to, to go far and, and wide to try to find the one that might rescue them. We see it in the, in the Magi later on, years, years later, where they travel far and wide to chase down hope. We even see it in John the Baptist, in utero, as he leaps for joy, as God comes into his presence, you even get that sense that in utero there's a hopefulness. That something is different about this other baby that's in this other womb that's about to change the entire world. And John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb uh, uh, for, for in, in hopefulness. But I think the most hopeful person out of any in the Christmas story is Mary. Mary, she's this... She's this quiet, calm, strong, reflective, poetic, expectant mother. She has every reason to be scared out of her mind. She has every reason for hopelessness. She's young. She's pregnant. She's exposed. Life is dangerous for her. She's at risk if Joseph doesn't save her. There is no reason for hope in Mary. And yet she writes this incredible song of hope. A song that we know as the Magnificat, right? Mary's song. Uh, This beautifully prophetic song of humble strength. A song of hope about the liberation and blessing her baby is bringing with him when he shows up. It's a hope for justice, righteousness, and salvation. She had no reason for hope, and yet she writes these beautifully hopeful words. Hope is central to the Christmas story. 
And it's laced throughout the whole story. All right. So I, uh, I really like all the things I've just shared with you. I love thinking about hope uh, in, in this time of the year. It seems like a hopeful season. Uh, but so far, this has been pretty theoretical, right? It's all just ideas. So the question for us moving forward, as, as I, uh, I kind of move to the end here, uh, is what does this all mean for us in reality? How does this actually affect uh, our lives? And the answer, I think, to, to why this actually matters, practically speaking, uh, comes from a brief exploration of our reason for hope. All right? The answer comes uh, in, in asking what, what does it actually mean for us? Why is this, any of this important? What does this mean for me personally? The answer comes from a brief exploration for our reason for hope. Hope is good, sure. Uh, and it's something that we should have. We should be hopeful. But why? Why should we hold out hope? If hope is waiting then the question is, what are we waiting for? What, what are we waiting for? And I think the biblical answer is that we are waiting for God. We are waiting for God. We are hoping in God. I love Psalm 130, uh, where it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait uh, uh, for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. How awesome is that? What do we wait for? We wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. I wait for the Lord. In this season of Advent, we aren't just waiting for the sake of waiting. It's not just 24 days of delayed gratification, just for the sake of, yeah, we just kind of start the Christmas season early, but yeah, we don't really get to anything special uh, until December 25th. We're not just waiting for the sake of waiting. This isn't just a wait and see sort of season. It's not just, yeah, I I don't know, I kind of casually hope that things go well. Uh, No, this is different. This season is different. It is a purposeful, intentional time of waiting for God. We are waiting for God, which is why hope is different than optimism. Sometimes I think we think of hope as optimism. Uh, Optimism is pretty random and ungrounded. It's kind of wishful thinking about the future. And sometimes we, we almost interchange the words hope and optimism. That, uh, yeah, I'm kind of hopeful for the future, but I don't know what I'm hoping in. Well, that's optimism. It's kind of just random, and it's kind of just wishing for the best. But hope is grounded and rooted not in randomly wishing for the best, but it is rooted and grounded in a person, in God, in who we've known and seen God to be in Scripture and in our own lives. Even when there's no room for optimism, we can still hold hope. Right? We talk about things being hopeless situations, but biblically speaking, there's no such thing. Right? There's, there's pessimistic situations. There's, there's situations that arise where there's no room for optimism, like there's no room for wishful thinking, but there is never room for hopelessness when it comes to God because we are hoping in God himself. Uh, 
we can still hold hope all because of who God is and has always been. There are times when, when we have no reason for optimism, yet there's always reason for hope because we hope in God. God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. What he has done in the past gives us reason to hope in the future. It's not blind optimism. It's he's been good. He's been faithful. He has shown up in countless ways all throughout Scripture, all throughout uh, the centuries of Christian living, and in our own lives. God has shown up as faithful in the past, and so we can hold hope strongly, boldly, for him to show up again in the future because we are hoping in a person, not in random chance. We are trusting in nothing other than God's character. Psalm 39.7 says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? What else can I hope for? You are my yakal. You are my hope. There's nothing else I would wait for, long for, hope in. You are what I wait for, long for. You are my hope. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not hoping in anything that, that can leave me stranded by the side of the road. I'm hoping in the, in the one true God who has been there forever and will continue to be there faithfully throughout the centuries. Biblical hope might be a little crazy, but it's not groundless optimism. There is a, there is a bit of craziness when it comes to hope. Uh, but it's not blind optimism. God is our hope and is worthy of our hope. So he is what we wait for. It, it might seem foolish to the world. I'm sure that it does. Heck, it might even seem foolish to us at times, like we are waiting for nothing, like, for, for something that will never happen, that our hope is actually false hope. We might even feel that way at times, but the promise of Scripture and the testimony of so many faithful saints is that God is worth hoping in and will not disappoint. In faith, we choose to wait for God to bring about a future that is, surprise, that is as surprising as a man raising from the dead. I mean, if God can do everything that he has done, if he can show up miraculously in so many ways, as he has done for thousands and thousands of years, uh, then he can do it again. And we can trust. We choose to wait for, a God to, for God to bring about a future that is as surprising as a man raising from the dead. Uh, Linnea, can you go get them downstairs? We need to do that. Uh, so as we wrap up, uh, that's, that's where, this is where this idea of hope gets personal and practical. We can and should hold out hope regardless of our circumstances. Uh, trust me, I know that life is hard. I know that life brings so much misery, so much pain, that, that there's so much confusion, and that's the point of Advent. This is a dark season uh, where, where we kind of sit in the chaos. We sit in that tension. We are cavawing. Trust me, I know that life is hard. Uh, but regardless of our circumstances, we can hold out hope because God is good. He has always been and always will be. And he is to be trusted that he will bring about redemption, whether in this life or in the next. No matter what you're dealing with, how hard life is, how confusing the future seems, how broken that relationship appears, how empty that bank account is, how deep that depression has sunk in, no matter what, 
No matter where you find yourself in, uh, no matter what difficulty that, that has sunk into your, in, into your life, there's always hope. Because we hope not in blind optimism, but in God. Uh, I, uh, I, I sat kind of knee to knee with a, with a woman in my office this week, uh, offering some, some spiritual counseling to her. It's a, a, a woman, a friend, who uh, her life is kind of falling apart. Uh, right in front of her eyes. Uh, her, her marriage is, is on the rocks, and, and that might even be an understatement. It's, it's, it's maybe gone forever. Uh, she's got a kid to take care of, and she just lost her job. Uh, and she just, she just walked in crying, sobbing in my office. And, uh, I mean, what do you say in those moments? Like, nothing, nothing things are not going well. What, I don't what do you say in, in those moments? There's, there's not much that you can say that, that's too helpful. Uh, but I had hope in my brain, right? I'm preparing this sermon about hope. Uh, and so the one thing that I could remind her of with confidence is that there is hope. Uh, it, it might not all turn out perfectly for her. In fact, I'm sure it won't. Uh, she, she's desperate. She's in a hard place. And I'm sure... Uh, that things aren't going to work out perfectly for her. There is no promise of things working out well when it comes to hope. But even with no promise of things getting better, even with no promise of help, there is always room for hope. I I told this woman, my friend, boldly, that we worship a God who raised from the dead. He most certainly can raise her marriage from the dead. Uh, We worship a God who has been rescuing and redeeming things from the very beginning of time and and that ultimately fulfilled that in the coming of Jesus, in his death and resurrection. He can resurrect anything. There is always hope. Uh, And I meant that. He most certainly can do the same for our lives and for hers. So this Advent season, may we put our full and absolute trust in God that no matter how bad life has gotten, no, no matter how, life, how hard life is, how screwed up our world might be, how hopeless things may seem, there is always room for hope. There is always room. This month, may we wait for desperately long for God to show up again as he did so many years ago in Jesus. And let's hold hope that as he comes, he will bring with him unfailing love and full redemption. Let's pray. God, you've been showing up faithfully for years, for centuries, for millennia. And we pray that you would show up again. We thank you for coming as a baby, as a child, for growing in love and stature uh, and and eventually showing that love in the greatest way possible through your death and resurrection. We thank you so much for this Christmas story, a story of God coming near. Uh, We are grateful for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and there is reason to hope in that. So God, would you strengthen our spirits this morning? Would you remind us of your goodness? Uh, And would that catapult us into the future in hopefulness, being able to trust that you will show up again, that you are a good God who wants to redeem and rescue us from all that ails. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're uh, going to end our service this morning by taking communion together. Uh, In a few moments,